Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I've got a phenomenal artist on the show today. Uh, Really a huge pleasure for me because uh, Mad Skills or Skills as he was known as well, uh, has a huge, huge discography uh, starting with From Where, all about kind of from the, the beginning. Then you're probably really well known for your yearly wrap-ups, which I think started in 2002, which is, you know, crazy in terms of how long that's been going on for. Uh, one of my favourite things that you've done was that Sway freestyle that you went on and you were DJing as well. Oh. Um, so literally uh, one of the most accomplished people, worked with some of the great artists, uh, and uh, a fantastic ghostwriter as well. One of probably the best ghostwriters in the game. So you're well known in the industry, and some people may not have seen what you're capable of. But for me, it's an absolute pleasure, man. Oh, thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, I actually wanted to start with that sway freestyle because I look at that, and you're DJing and you're doing the freestyle. I can barely have a conversation. <laughs> singularly focused. So, like. To me, it's like I'm looking, I'm watching you do it and you're you're rapping and your hands almost have like this automatic, they know where to go. But how do you multitask to that level, and especially, you know, live on a radio show where the pressure's on and they're really asking you to deliver? Yeah, man, it was, um, that's the way freestyle started from, uh, it started from uh, um, the Stretch and Bobbito freestyle that I actually did in 1993. Um, by the time I went up to Sway, uh, I was over, I was DJing at this point. And um, uh, I remember um, when I started DJing, when I started taking DJing seriously and I wanted to throw my hat into the DJ ring, I remember talking to Clark Kent and I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm learning how to, you know, I already know the music, you know what I mean? I, I'm good at selecting music, but I really want to get my hands better, my timing better. Like I'm trying to learn how to beat juggle. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, oh, that's dope. Like, like who who you been in with? And I was like, oh, you know, the beat junkies. You know, he was like, oh yeah, well now, nah, like those are the guys. Like, I was like, yeah, man, you know, I said, my thing is I want to be able to rap and beat juggle at the same time. And Clark was like, Yeah, nah, you you won't be able to do that. And I was like, why not? He was like, like skills. I, I'm a DJ, bro. Like, I've been a DJ my whole life. Like the mechanics that it would take for you to remember your rhyme and your hand movements. Yeah, like nah, you you won't be able to juggle and do a verse to the beat that you're juggling. Nah, that's not gonna happen. And I was like, okay. So once he told me I couldn't do it, I was like, I'm definitely gonna do it. So um, and, and, and prior to that, you know, I have you know, I thought I might have been the first uh, rapper to DJ to do it, but I know Jay Live, you know, what I'm saying has definitely already you know accomplished that. Um, and, and a super dope MC and DJ as well. Um, so, uh, I, I had the idea that I, it was the 20th anniversary of the stretch and Bobito freestyle. And I was like, I'm going to do this over 
but I want to do it while I'm DJing. Because I knew they were going to ask me to DJ this way. So I was like, I want to do it, do the same verse, but actually do the cuts and scratches myself. And um, yeah, I practiced it. Uh, I ran it past like Jazzy Jeff and he, he watched me do it and he gave me some pointers on it. And um, yeah, I went up there and did it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it Sway was Sway was like done. He was like, wait, like what? You know what I'm saying? So I always want to try to do something to get people you know, to, to stand out from other people. So that was a, that was a dope moment for me. Well, he wasn't the only one that was like, wait, what? Because the crazy thing is when you watch it and I implore anyone to go watch it is that your hand movements are so like, you don't even look at where they're going half the time. Like, you know, instinctively where to go. And I just have this image of you practicing of going, fuck, I, I hit the wrong thing or I press right. the wrong button or like, and then you're like, oh, I've got to train myself to just instinctively find the right place. Yeah. And, and, and another thing that was, uh, that I didn't, con- that I didn't uh, see coming was that when I got to shave four or five, the, the turntables and the mixer were so far apart, you know what I'm saying? And they, they they're spaced out. So that's not like a regular, you know, DJs like they stuff, you know, I want it flushed. I want my tables here, my mixer flushed in between, my other table here. You know, because you're using your arms, so you want to be able to reach with your equipment. So it's like a piano player playing, and the piano's all the way back here. So, um, yeah, no, having to go through those those hand movements and 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 that you know that timing of of being able to trigger the things that you trigger because you might trigger the wrong thing, and even if you do, being able to come back from that because you can't start over you know what i'm saying like you're being recorded it's live so um yeah no man it's almost like it was almost like muscle memory at at one point it was like shooting free throws for like a basketball player like yeah just steph curry just no yeah i ain't saying that i said free throw (laughs) like steph steph shoot from the logo like it's a free throw i i definitely ain't in that i'm definitely not in that category not yet anyway well now people may not know, but you've kind of moved towards your DJing kind of part in your career. What prompted that move as opposed to the pure lyricist? Because you've been a lyricist pretty much your, your whole career, and now it's really focusing on the DJ skill element. I just love music, man. So um, no matter what I do, uh, music is going to be at the forefront of that. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of music. Music saved my life, changed my life. So um, I had been through different phases of it where, you know, I had made music for myself and then, you know, I, I wrote music for other people and, you know what I'm saying? So after a while, I was like the natural ev- evolution of it was, I just want to play music for people. You know what I'm saying? So um, when I, the passion, the passion for rapping was gone. It, it wasn't it wasn't where it was in the in the current climate of music. I wasn't excited about writing new verses or things of that nature. So um, but I still get excited about watching people react to music. So um <clears throat> so I have found in in the the similarities between DJing and rapping, I have found it was this one thing that um that just I gravitated to. And I remember when I used to rap. Um, you would be rapping and then you would say something dope and you would say a punchline and you would get that oh from the crowd you know what I mean so I got that same 
feeling when I would be playing records and people would think I was going to play something else and then I would go this way. And it's like, oh, like, you know what I mean? So it was the same satisfaction. And um, I, I didn't even tell any of the homies I was DJing. I was just doing it on the low. And, you know, I was a bedroom DJ at first. I was just at home just and, and practicing. And then once I got out, I was like, yeah, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, and wasn't nobody booking me. Like, I wasn't getting booked. So I just started throwing my own stuff and um, just themed parties. You know, uh, we would do like, you know, all 90s or we would do like, you know, uh, uh, all hip hop. Then I started doing um, like Timbaland and Pharrell parties uh, where you just I just play all all Timbaland and Pharrell productions, um, things of that nature. So, yeah, man, um, once I found my lane and I found out my identity as a DJ, it was easy from there. You touched on before, you know, talking about DJing, you lost your passion for hip hop or you lost, not hip hop for, for rapping. rapping. For rapping. So what, why do you think that is or what prompted that? And how did you realize that? Because I think a lot of artists, they think that it's a phase rather than, you know, it's gone. So how did you come to that realization? I, I had a, going in the booth and creating something dope for mad skills it, it stopped. Like, I didn't feel like I had anything else to say. I didn't feel like I had anything else to prove. Um, I had I had, had more success with writing songs for other people, which I always loved creating, you know what I mean? And sometimes I would sit down and craft a song that I knew or come up with a flow that I knew wasn't for me. You know what I mean? This was, this was be, oh, somebody, you know, 21, and this is for one of the kids. This is somebody for a younger artist. I, I could never do this as mad skills, but it didn't mean that I couldn't create. And what I tell people about songwriting all the time is um, everybody got bad songs in them. You just got to get them out the way and get to the good ones. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the... I, I in the studio, I'm I'm at the, the Tupac level of recording. Like, let's just keep recording. You know what I mean? I rather I rather we come up with five good ideas than to just work on one song all day long. You know what I mean? And try to finish this one thing. Cause the one thing about music, man, is it doesn't like pressure. Like music don't care about pressure. So I could be like, oh, I need to turn this in tomorrow. Music could be like, yeah, well, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? They won't be ready by tomorrow. Like, so you got to come to it and respect the process. But I lost the passion for, you know, trying to run with the young guns. I always felt like music was a young man's sport. You know what I'm saying? I I, had been, I was moving into the elder statesman side of hip hop. Um, and, I, and it just got to a point. I was like, okay, well, who am I rapping for? And don't get me wrong. I love a, a, a grown adult or, you know, uh, urban AC hip hop album, you know, uh, Fonte, Lil Brother, you know what I'm saying, um, Black Thought, you know what I'm saying, people who still are rapping at a level that I'm like, okay, you know, that makes me happy. Royce, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it just wasn't for me at that point. I just got away from it. Yeah, I think that that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's strange because you still have the skill set. And like, for me as a fan, I look at someone like you and I'm like, you could still do it. If you really wanted to, you could still do it. And, you know, you mentioned a few names, but Buster Rhymes to me is up there. He's yeah. most recent album. 
was was fantastic. Method Man keeps dropping verses on. I don't know how he chooses the features he chooses. He seems to just drop verse after verse after yeah. verse and do his Red thing. Man, Red Man too. Yeah, it, you know what I'm saying. For me, it's like a it's cool because I've I'm always and I'm a little bit younger than than you are, and I'm I'm like in my twenties, but I still love like the 90s sound to me that sound in the early 2000s is like what i gravitate to and it's like what i started listening to in terms of my own journey so when you know artists such as yourself come out and they drop verses and rolling 50 deep and rolling 110 deep by uh dj k slay and we had these legends come out and just show that it could still be done it's like yeah it's still part of me that would would love to see you drop a verse yeah no it's still you know, I, I think I dropped something on my Instagram maybe like a month ago, just just something that I had I had stumbled onto an old beat by the roots and the instrumental. And I was like, man, this joint was so hard. And I rode around, listened to the instrumental for a couple of hours and, and you know, words just started coming to me. And I, I want to say the next day I put it on my Instagram, just just talking some shit like uh, and, um, and, 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 you know, being being a, a clever MC. Um, so yeah, it's it it shows up every now and then. Every now and then it'll show up, but not on a consistent basis. We'll have to take that for now. Who knows? You may <laughs> have that inspiration. Yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> well, you touched on ghostwriting because like ghostwriting is almost uh, I think these days it's more spoken about, but back in your era it would have been yeah. you know, no one talks about it and you know, you've got artists these days who are very open about the fact that I don't write my own rhymes, but how do you get into that career pathway? Because if it's not spoken about, artists don't want to admit it. How do you go from you drop your own project, people obviously listen to it, like it, and they're like, hey, I want you to write for me. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different element now. Um, and I don't even call it ghost right now. It's just more like songwriting. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you dig somebody's vibe or, you know, you just work on songs um, and you want to get those to people that can deliver your songs. Um, that's always a plus. Um, for me, um, my path was different. It, it, it happened by accident. So, you know, I was, I was never, I was never intentionally trying to do that. It just happened. So when people hit me now, like, how do I get into that? Like, I, I really don't know how to tell you because each path is different. Um, because at, at this day and age, you probably going to want to get your credit. You know what I'm saying? And most artists they, this this in this day and era will probably be like, oh, yeah, no, nah, he, you know, he, he did that. He helped me with that or, you know, um, that's why I just said it just goes under the folder of songwriting at this point. There is no, there is no clear and concise path to how to do it. Um, but if you are a person that loves creating music and creating songs and you have a gift to know, uh, like I can't sing, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I've written songs where I'm singing or I've written songs to be, to be sang by other people. Um, and you get out of your own head about how you sound. And if the words are there, if the, it does like, if the words are there and the music is there, it doesn't, the person is going to hear it. It doesn't matter how bad the recording is. Like Jay-Z could have heard Empire State of Mind on a four track cassette and, and heard it and went, 
I, I, I already know what I'm going to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that hook is there. Like, she's singing about the city that I'm from. Like, yeah, that ain't no R&B song. That's a rap song. Send me, let's get that instrumental. You know what I'm saying? And what he did to it was magical. He made an anthem. So, you know, you want to hear, you want to hear something and know that you can complete it as opposed to being like, yo, who is that? Like I tell singers when I work with singers all the time and we're in the booth and they're singing the song and, and I'm like, yo, don't, don't blow it out the water. Like, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to Jennifer Hudson it. You know what I'm saying? Just sing it, just sing it. Because I don't want a person to hear that and go, who is that? She should have a deal. Like, she, she's amazing. I can't do nothing with that. She killed that song. I don't want a person to do that. I want a person to hear it and go, I'm going to kill that. Yo, send me that. Like, yo, what I'm going to do on that is going to be crazy. That's what you want as a songwriter. You don't want the person to start asking, well, who's singing the song? Like shit, like then you know, like, like she, the vocal is too good on the vocal performance is too good on it. Like I'm not gonna send Adele's version of "Hello" to you know what I'm saying to artists. Like they gonna start saying, "Who is this singer?" Oh, it's a singer from the UK. Her name is Adele. She she's fucking amazing. She needs a deal. Like no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I want you to take this song. So you gotta underperform the records as well, and that's it's a whole it's a whole nother key to that. See, I never expected that to be a strategy, but it totally makes sense because mm-hmm. it's like you don't want the voice and the performance to overshadow the the actual song itself or right. lyrics because then it's all about, you know, it, and it's, you know, in hip-hop especially, you know, the delivery, the flow, like sometimes that can overshadow the lyrics even though the lyrics inform you how to flow and inform you how to the delivery and the punchlines and all those things. So totally makes sense. But I mean, is it hard to tell an artist to like calm down a little bit and don't perform too well? Or is it like, sometimes because I never, sometimes because I never, and that's why I work with people that want to be writers. I want to be in a studio with somebody that wants to write songs for a living. They not necessarily want to be an artist. Cause what I don't want is for us to record this demo and I call you tomorrow and you go, yeah, this is my song. I just put it on my SoundCloud. Uh, I'm sorry, what? No, 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 no. That's not the goal. The goal is to sell the song. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful with artists and working with them. And they get so attached to the material that they want to keep it for themselves, especially if they have no means to even put it out. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this on my, my Instagram. Like, what? Like, I don't even want to have that argument with you. So I'm not even working with artists that want to do that. That's the that's why when you come in and you sit down and you play me some songs, the first thing I ask you is, what, what do you want to be more, a songwriter or an artist? Because you might have to give away that one song that will help you to become an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to say, like, one of the... Uh, I don't know how true it is, but I remember a story about uh, Wham, George Michael, and Andrew from Wham, and they had did a, they had did their album, and um, George had had Careless Whisper already, 
And they were like, yeah, this is going to be Wham's like second single. And George is like, nah, this is my this is my first single. Like, I'm keeping this for myself. And the company had to tell him, like, if we don't put out Careless Whisper as Wham, you might not get a solo career. Like, you're the only person singing on the fucking song anyway. So, but if you want to put this out, you want to hold this, you might not get to where you want to be to even release this. So the rest is history. They put out, you know, Careless Whisper under Wham, and the rest is history. But that could have been stopped right there because he had to be selfless enough to say, all right, I'm going to let this song go now as, as it is. It's like going backwards to go forward. Like, yes, the hit so that, you know, the, it's the long game. I think, you know, even I'm that I'm like that to, an, to a certain extent where I'm like, no, nah, it's all mine. It's all, like, right. it's like the ego driven that like, you know, I, I want to keep it. this. Yeah. I made it. I want to take credit for it. I don't want anybody else to use it, but it's like, it can be over the long term, especially as an artist different, obviously in podcasting. Cause it's like, no one can really re- replicate my voice, but like, the as an artist i can only imagine that when you perform a song you love the song and then you give it away it's like there's just something that hurts about it you know what i mean right yeah man no nah, man just to be able to think about like damn what where would i have been if i had kept you know like if i had did what i didn't think i should have did you know what i'm saying plenty of artists got their start as songwriters so, well, I mean, Royce to five nine as well. Someone you mentioned was, you know, a ghostwriter. He he wrote for people like Dr. Dre, and you know, that's a, when you and to a certain extent, learning how to write for other people teaches you more about your own delivery. Yeah, is yeah. you start to see, okay, I'm writing for a different cadence, and how do I view my own cadence? How can I change it? to match what I'm writing. And so in a weird way, it really helps you in the long term. Yeah. And having conversations with the people, you know, like sitting down and talking to them and finding out where they are in life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I remember working with Dr. Dre and um, I sat down and had a conversation with him and uh, just, just talking about health and, you know, uh, not even just just health, just taking better care of yourself as a, as a black man, you know what I mean? And um, I started hearing these songs that these young writers had wrote for him, and they were all talking about chronic and weed and money. And I was like, did they even talk to him? Like, cause cause he he's almost like, yo, I already I already been there, I already done that. Shit, he actually has a song called Been There, Done That. Like, do y'all even listen? You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I wrote a song called Seeing Differently. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was a crazy-ass record. You know, this was back in the, you know, when detox was a thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, I'm not going to approach it like, like, Dr. Dre don't want to talk about the same shit he talked, you know what I'm saying? Like he ain't talking about that in regular conversation. So what, why would he want a record about that? So that, that was my approach. I try to go to where 
the person's like, you know, younger writers. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to write a song about weed. I'm like, you know how many songs Dr. Dre got about weed? You know what I mean? Like, like how many times are we going to try to personify weed as a woman? Like, it's been done so many to Mary Jane. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's been done so many times. Like, he might be off of that by now. Also, because, you know, priorities change. And someone like Dr. Dre, he's got a career already. He's already, you know, had that phase. And, you know, as you said, he's at that point a stable person. He's not trying to find who he is. He's not trying to, he knows who he is. And now he is right. adult priorities, like rather than, you know, having fun and partying. I, do right. you think that sometimes that the songwriter tries to put themselves in the track too much? Like they're trying to put their own, oh, I'm going to, I want to talk about this. So I want to put that in rather than, hey, this doesn't fit the artist. So I'm not going to put it in there. Right. I think sometimes they 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 want to put a bit of themselves into the song. And as a songwriter, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes you can make because it's not about you. It's about the artist. It's almost like a D, it's almost like me being a DJ. And I get up and I DJ and I just play shit that I like. That's not that's not the job of a DJ. It's not about me. It's about me enjoying what I do, but I'm also entertaining these people. So if I'm playing a song and everybody clears the dance floor, I instantly know I'm not doing a good job. Nobody's dancing anymore. I need to go into a different direction. Why would I stay on that direction? You know what I'm saying? So um, just just an analogy to go from one to the other. Like as a songwriter, you want the person to embody the song. Um, and y'all might have the same experiences, but you know, you're here for the better of the song. And when I, when I'm in a room with other songwriters, I always tell people like the best idea wins. Like whoever comes up with the best idea for the song, that's what's going to go into the song. Now my line might not be the line that was went in. But my line might have been the line that we all agreed, mm, that ain't it. And then we kept going and then we landed on this. And it just so happens that Terry came up with that and we all went, woo, that's crazy. I, I'm not going to go, oh, man, they didn't use my line. My line didn't fit. You know what I'm saying? We're here for the betterment of the song, not, not on a personal level. Like, so if you got people in the room that don't even understand that, then you got the wrong people in the room. And that's why I'm very, I'm very, you know, careful about who I'm in the room with, because there's certain, certain, certain situations and certain conversations that I don't even want to have because it's going to fuck up the creative process. You know what I'm saying? Like I write with writers that we understand that if we in here, and we come up with something that sells, then we gonna split it three ways. Down the middle, everybody, 33 and a third. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and go, well, I came up with the hook, the line that, so I think I should get, I'm not, I'm not having that conversation. If it's three people in here, it's split three ways. If it's four people in here, we gonna split it four ways. Like, because clearly y'all are here for a reason. I'm not about to sit here and argue over percentages of something that we haven't even sold yet. 
that's going to stifle our creative process. Well, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I don't want to, I think I should get more percentage. Like you shouldn't even be in the room. And do you have that conversation at the beginning to be like, yes, hey, this, these are my expectations. Yes. If you're working with me, then this is how I work. Have you had people go, that's not going to work? Have, have you yeah. had that are like, yeah. nah. Yeah, nah, I don't, I don't agree with that. All right, cool. Well, ain't no point in playing no MP3s today. Cause, or better yet, I'll, let, I'll leave y'all to it. Y'all go ahead. I won't even sit in. I'm good. Then I, then I get a call the next day like, hey, man, you want to come in today? Like we only came up with, I don't know. Oh, now y'all want more bodies in the room? <laughs> I'll take 70% now. You only wrote a quarter of the song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, listen, because the better is for the betterment of the song. Like, I'm not about to sit down with L.A. Reed and Babyface and go, okay, so, all right, if we come up with something, you know, you know, I usually get 20, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, who who would even do that? You should be happy to even be in a room to create. And if we come up with something, we all, we all get an equal share in it. I don't think that's, I don't think that's ever been unfair. You know what I'm saying? If it's three of us, we're going three ways. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I got to agree on that. Yeah, that's like starting a business. Like, well, you know, I'm a chef. So if if it's a restaurant, then I know more than you two guys know. Like, yo, what the fuck? We're starting something together from nothing. We're creating something from nothing. All I need to know is who was here when, when it was created. That's it. Yeah. I mean, my my view, and I think songwriting is a little bit different. My view is like, who is going to do what in right. journey? Because like, if you're going to be making the beat, if you're also going to be writing the song and you're going to be there, you know, for X more hours, I think you deserve a larger portion. So I think obviously we're just talking about the one thing in terms of songwriting, but then the project right. itself is obviously, you know, right. when you, you start to, to divvy it up a little bit more, but mm-hmm. can you tell at the moment who's ghostwriting? Can you tell who's like, if without looking at, at the credits, do you feel like you can look at an artist and go, I feel like I know who wrote that track, or I feel like I can pick the the rhyme scheme that, that goes with the the songwriter? Yeah, sometimes um, you know, sometimes you get a you get a whiff of, or you might get an idea like, yo, that I know he ain't, yo, that sound like so and so. Like, you know, because the thing is you want to. You, you want it to be um, unknown. Like you, you don't want to have a style to where somebody can say, I know who did that. You know what I mean? You want, you want to be able to fly under the radar. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard things in the past and been like, oh yeah, I think that sometimes I've been right. Sometimes I've been wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, like, it's almost like a game for me. Like I'd be like, oh, let me find out. Oh yeah, I knew that was him. You know, that sound like him, you know what I'm saying? Or, damn, I was totally wrong about that. I, I don't even know who this person is. They, they must be new. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, you, it's it's fun. So do you, as a, as a songwriter, do you want, you know, the listener to know that the artist didn't, 
Like the performer didn't write their own tracks. Cause to me, it's because in a way, if they do, then they're like, Oh, who wrote this? And so I want to find out who was the actual writer and therefore you can get more business off it in a weird way. Like, no, no, I don't, I don't want you to know. Um, in some instances, if you care enough to look and you care enough, enough to dig and find out, then that's cool. But I want you to enjoy the song. I want you to say, yo, this is one of the greatest songs I ever heard in my life. That's all. That's the ultimate compliment for me. You know what I'm saying? And if you care enough to, to look into who wrote this, who created this, like, I just want you to go, yo, this is amazing. I love this. I can't stop listening to it. That's the ultimate compliment for me. Because if I do that enough times, then I, now I have a career out of this. So, you know, you, you want the ultimate compliment is, damn, like this is amazing. Who, who made this? And then you find out it's, damn, he did this, he did that. Wow, he's pretty good. I think the challenge is to get over the ego because like it's the the ego trip that I want my name out under the lights for everybody to know it was me who wrote it. And we're in reality, as you said, that's not really what you get paid to do. So I think most people and, you know, even for me to, to understand is like, I think you got to put your ego in check. You got to put your ego to the side and then accept that that is not your role. Like, how did you put your ego to the side? Because obviously, I mean, you start as an artist, so there's that ego there and you still mm-hmm. perform, but how did you manage to put it to the side? Um, knowing that I was better at creating, like, uh, like imagine me just creating for myself, right? I just create for myself. I'm limited. I'm a rapper. I was a rapper. I can't sing. Um, So me putting out a song singing, even though I do have one song where I was kind of singing on it, um, and it wasn't that bad. This was before auto-tune, before cats were letting rappers get away with singing. This was before fucking 808s and Heartbreaks. So if you was a rapper, you was a rapper. Like imagine fucking RZA singing. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no say way that's it. A pet hate of mine is when a rapper who can't sing tries to sing a hook. No, no, there was no one there to tell you no. There was no one there to be like, look, I love you and you're a great artist, but, but don't do this. Your skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Like, auto tune changed a lot. Um, but I've always felt like, when you can't sing, what's gonna help you more than anything? It's not, it's not something that changes the notes in your voice or, or a, a colorful ass video. When you can't sing, what's gonna help you more than anything else is a good song. If the song is good, people might even forget, oh, I can't sing that well. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the song is good. So, like I said, we we always come back to the betterment of the song. So, for me, I remember reading a quote that said, 
Uh, let me make sure I say this right. The quote said, there's no limit to how successful you can be if you don't care about who gets the credit. And that was a game changer for me. Because I'm like, you can have a credit. Like, that's fine. And I'm, I'm fine with that. If, if I'm on my business and I'm taking care of my business, then, you know, I'll be, I'll be good. And I, I equated, I tell people this all the time. I equated to like, if I fix roofs, right? If I fix roofs for a living, I fix your roof. I fix the roof over here. I fix the roof over there. And people ride by all the time and go, wow, like that roof on that house is amazing. Somebody did a great job on that roof. Oh man, this whole neighborhood has amazing roofs on their houses. I don't go back to the neighborhood and ride through going, look at my work. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you would, I would, you would, one would hope that if I had a career of fixing people's roofs, that I had a pretty good fucking roof myself. You know what I'm saying? Not only because I did a lot of roofs, but also because I know what I'm doing. So I don't ride through old neighborhoods looking at roofs. I just look at mine. Yeah, I think that's a really good quote. You know, I think, you know, for me, it resonates. I think it resonates for a lot of people. So I think, you know, we we do care about credit a lot, especially now, like especially yeah. with, you know, all the social media, you know, IG, TikTok, everyone wants that instant credit straight away. Like I always look at my notifications all the time, but it's like, I think we're, we're starting to get lost. But I was going to ask you, why do you think artists sing when they shouldn't be singing or when they don't have it in their arsenal? Do you, do you have like a theory on why people trying to, to do that? Trying to sing and can't sing? Yeah. Because they seen other people get away with it. Like, I knew the game was fucked up when Kanye started singing. I knew the game was going to be done. And he couldn't sing for shit. He still can't. But he was so influential. So it's like, you know, we're in a copy and paste world. Like, a lot of people are just going to copy. You know, they don't want to be original. Um... And the tools, the tools that they give us are made to help us. You know what I'm saying? So, but it don't help everybody. I was gonna say auto-tune only covers it to a certain extent. Like just yeah. because you got auto-tune, it doesn't even work because you're you're not hitting your notes. Like people can if and someone I spoke to, Young World, he's a producer, but he said if you can tell there's auto-tune, they're not using it right. Because yep. Not how it should be. The best yep. artists like T Pain, they use it, but you can't. You can barely tell that it's in there because their voice and their song is hitting the right notes, so it masks. Right. It masked it. That's what it. That's what it was intended to do. But then we started using it in other ways, and you know, the way that it's intended to work and how people use it, it you have no control over that once you put it into the workplace. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, the, the inventor of Frisbees meant for people to throw it back and forth. He probably wasn't thinking about dogs. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, 
the things, the, the inventions that we make, sometimes they, they, they go into a place and we're like, wow, I would have never thought of that, but it happened. Well, how do you see the state of hip hop at the moment? I feel, feel like, you know, it's a, it's in a strange place in terms of a transition. It's like finding its new voice in a way it's finding the new sound. There's like, as you said, there's artists that have been around for a long time. You've also got another, a lot of young artists, 808s and now auto tune and all these new sounds, but how do you feel about where hip hop is going and where do you think it's going to transition? I mean, I, I, I believe I've always said this, like the, you know, the music is going to reflect what the youth is doing at the time. So if the youth is educated and aware and focused, then the music is going to reflect that. If the youth is wilding out, uh, uneducated, not caring about certain issues, partying, the music is going to reflect that. So I think we're in a change, but it's a change that is welcomed. And for me, I'm not I'm not one of those artists from the 90s that are hating on the new generation. Like, oh, you know, fuck that shit. And I don't listen to that shit. It ain't for me. I listen to what is for me. And um, I'm aware of everything else that, that goes. If it's not for me, it's just not for me. Um, but I don't know a generation that liked the music of the previous generation before. You're not supposed to. It's, it's not for us. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when, when people go back to, ah, oh, you know, it's not the same. Uh, uh, yeah, well, they said that about us. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we came up, it was, you know, before hip-hop came in, it was, you know, the Temptations. And you were supposed to get on stage and sing and dance and be choreographed together and do moves and harmonies. And then when we started rapping, motherfuckers was like, that shit ain't music. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, they just talking. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, uh, it's not supposed to be liked by the previous generation. So um, it's going, but it's it, it, but in order for it to grow, I would I would hate if hip hop was the exact same as it was when it when it started, because then that would show no growth. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no evolution. Um one of the, the things that I remember the most is uh when uh when hip hop first started and everybody was rapping the exact same way. And um it was, you know, you would just you would have a long sentence and then you would just rap, you would have one word that rhymed. Everybody rapped that way. It was it was that, you know, that you know, I got some, 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 and some, some I can see. And when I go to the soul, the soul, the soul, so get souls on my TV. Everybody rap like that. It's like the Dr. Zeus style of like, right? Yeah. But that's what it was. So if you was rapping, that's how you rapped, right? So then fucking Melly Mel comes along. Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on stage. You know, they just don't care. I can't move out. I can't take the noise. And everybody's like, the fuck is that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, now, the, the man who probably made 
the most important hip hop song, one of the one of the most important hip hop songs ever. If there was a top 10 or top five hip hop songs, the message is definitely one of them. Right? When he came out, everybody went, what the fuck is that? He ain't that ain't rap. He he chopped it up. He, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to da 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 da. Like that's that's rap. I don't know what the fuck he doing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like nobody. And then you got Run DMC two years ago. A friend of mine, I'm like, oh god, now somebody else is doing it. Oh god, this shit catching on. And now that's the only way we really remember rap. Well, that's not the only way, but that's one of the most predominant ways that we we remember rap. The motherfuckers that were shunned on when they did something just a little different. But it was plenty of cats. The same way we look at these kids now and go, man, they should call that shit something else because it ain't hip hop. It's not. That shit ain't hip hop. They was looking at them going, that shit ain't rap. Rap is da 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 Like, man, I don't know what they doing. And now what they doing is what they did is legendary. So it has to change. It has to evolve. If it doesn't, it would be boring as hell. And I don't like boring. Well, I think you raise a good point is that the changes have come throughout hip hop's life cycle in terms of a genre of music and changed consistently and regularly throughout its mm -hmm. genre itself. But how do you attribute those changes? Because to me, I look at hip hop and I'm like, it changes so quickly. You look at what people are doing in terms of the ingenuity and people are really experimenting and doing new things and trying new flows, new sounds. But what do you put that down to? Because you, I almost think hip hop is the the most changing genre. Like it, if, you, if I look at where it is now versus where it started, it sounds completely different. And that's like within a 50 year time period, less. Right. So how do you attribute the the speed in which it's it's changing? I attribute that to the to the the like going to be cool to the kids. And there's always going to be a, a way of expressing themselves. And you don't have to be I, I don't all you got to this is going to sound fucked up when I say it, but you don't have to be that talented to be able to do it. Especially in this day and age. Um if you can speak English, you probably can rap. It doesn't mean that you should, but that's a, a major criteria for it. And it ain't something it's not even in English. If you can speak, you can speak your words. You might be able to rap or put them to a beat or syncopated rhythm and, and express yourself. So you don't have to be a, 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 a trained singer and no key and no notes. You don't have to know any of that to be a rapper. So if everybody else around you is doing it, or it's the music of the people that, you know, is in your generation, your age bracket, you might step into it and find out that shit, you could be one of the greatest too. I'm so glad that people was like, okay, I, I seen what's happening out of New York. Oh, okay, you know, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash. Okay, cool, Dan, that's dope they're just rapping about what's going on in their neighborhoods and their community. Shit, we should, man, we should fucking rap about what's going on around here. I'm so glad people did that. Because if they hadn't, who knows where we would be? Yeah. Well, what I love about hip hop, it's not like an exclusive club. Like it's yeah. very much, especially, you know, 
the, the ev- and it's just gotten more mainstream. I think we've really seen it explode. And to assert, we kind of spoke about social media, but social media has been the next evolution of hip hop because I look at TikTok, all the trends are using hip hop tracks. You look at literally, and now you're even looking at pop and mainstream songs, like quote unquote mainstream songs, and they're using hip hop elements in terms of they're using certain beats and they're using certain delivery. And you can start to see that hip hop is really taken over. And I think that's purely because it is accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. It, it's probably the most accessible music in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, damn, I don't have to pick up and learn this instrument in order to do this. I just need to be able to sit down and record my thoughts and my feelings and express myself. And like I said, not everybody's good at it. Like shit, it's, it's bad guitar players, it's bad pianists, it's bad MCs. Bad DJs. That's why I never became a hip hop artist. (laughs) I tried to write an intro for this in like a a verse, and I was like, this is horrible. This sucks. And I was like, you know what? You can talk. You should not be a hip hop artist. I learned very quickly that although the dream of like the being a huge artist and doing tours, that was very quickly dissipated and, and disappeared when I tried to write a very simple verse for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, knowing your knowing your strengths and your weaknesses is is just in life, not even in music. In life is is a is a is a, a hell of a thing. So, you know, for sure. What something I actually wanted to ask you about as well was your yearly wrap-ups. How did that come about because, you know, it's a pretty much a it was a brand new idea at the time. Obviously, people have started to replicate it since you did it. But what was the original idea? And how did you go, you know what, this is something I want to do? Um, it started out as a as an idea on a mixtape. Um, started out as an idea on a mixtape. I just took it from there. Um, the, the song got a bigger response on the mixtape than the other songs. And then once the year came, the, the following year, people asked me, like, yo, are you going to do another, you know, um, you're going to do another recap? And I was like, recap? Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? No, from the mixtape last year, like, and I was like, um, I guess so. So I drummed something up and then it became something that people were uh, asking me about and um and, and you, you know, in, in, in a world of supply and demand, you know, you would be stupid not to give fans what they want. So uh, I just I just kept doing it again. And it just it just grew. Do you have a year that was really tough that was like hard to come up with stuff this year or like because because you're looking at it on a regular basis and you're doing every single year. Do you have a year that was like, you know what, that wasn't the easiest year for me to come up with track with a track yeah but i don't remember it because i don't even listen to them after i do them um so for me uh it's been a couple of times where i was like this was a stretch and then it was some, some certain times where i was like it's way too much it's way too much to choose from like you have to kind of go through what 
you know, what's going to make it in and what isn't. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had times where I struggled and, um, you know, cause what I, what I realized is after shit, after like December, the second week of December, like it's no, if, it's no point in me even looking at going to social media, thinking anything about social media, because I could post, Hey man, just, just fractured my arm guys, you know, in the hospital, pray for me. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. Cool. Where's the fucking wrap up. <laughs> I could be like, Hey, new addition to the family. Just, we just adopted a puppy. His name is yeah. Yeah. Where's the wrap up. Like they don't care about anything else. So knowing that going in, I limit my social media use. Uh, my family knows basically after Thanksgiving, just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Well, how do you deal with that as like, you know, your fans clearly love you so much that they don't care about anything else. They're like, I love this and this makes my year and this is what I look forward to on a regular basis. I know it's coming, but how do you kind of handle that in terms of pressure? And then obviously, you know, the fact that your fans are literally just waiting on bated breath to listen to the track. I mean, it, it's it's a gift and a curse, um, but I do realize how important it is that people still even want something from you. You know what I mean? Uh, and it, you know, you have something that you created. You're, it, you know, it's it's yours. Um, I don't take that for granted at all. Because shit, I remember when people didn't care. So. That's that's clearly that that's clearly stays in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, you would definitely rather that people care than no one care. But I mean, yeah. have you found the transition into being a DJ? Have you found the fans in terms of obviously they've seen your evolution as an artist, but have you found that a lot of fans continue to follow you or have you found a new fan base? How was that evolution kind of changed? Um, I found that people stick with me through whatever I'm doing. Um, and I, you know, I don't even, I don't even call them fans. They're more like family. Um, cause I do realize that their attention could be somewhere else. Like they don't have to listen to me. They don't have to come and click this link. They don't have to play this song or this video or check out this stream. So, um, I'm never, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, you know, aware that people, hold me in a regard that sometimes I don't even realize it myself. Um, but I'm very grateful for it because like I said, no, it's no, it's no button that makes people care. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the fact that people still do sometimes it baffles me, but I, I'm, you know, I thank the Lord that I have this platform. And so how do you look back on your career at the moment? You know, when, I'm sure when you started, you know, you were talking about, you know, talking to, at the beginning of your career about wanting to be an art, a, a DJ and a, and a rapper at the same time. And now you look at where you are now. How do you look back on that career and that journey? Because there's obviously been a lot of up, ups and downs, but how does it sit with you at the moment in terms of all that you've done and all that you've been through? Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of, stops and starts but I wouldn't change it for anything I you know when I think back about when I dropped from where 
And I remember, you know, sometimes I tell people all the time, like, you know, be careful what you ask for because you might fuck around and get it. Um, and I remember, I remember a, a artist, a article where uh, I was getting interviewed and they asked me, um, they were like, so what do you want to accomplish with this album? And um, I said, I want people to know my name and I want them to know where I'm from. And that's exactly what I got from that album. Um, if I was thinking, I would have said, I want to sell more than Thriller. And I might've got that, but <laughs> I don't know if I was ready to handle that at that time. So when I look back at from where, uh, that's exactly what I got from that album. People know, people know who I am and they know what I created and where I'm from. Because when I came out, there was nobody that was representing Virginia to the to the likes of what I was what I was doing. So um, now, you know, artists come out of Virginia and they go, oh, you know, where, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Virginia. Oh, man, you from where Mad Skills and the Neptunes and them from? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like that wasn't there before. You know what I'm saying? So when I look back at some of the, 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 the ups and downs and the, the starts and the stops, I think it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. Um, I, I, I like the fact that I can still be a regular guy, do regular shit. Um, I, don't, I don't have security. I don't. It's like if you see me coming out of the movies, it's not like, oh shit, like, oh, it's a mob. Like, you, know, you might be like, oh shit, Skills, what's up, man? Like, I'm a very down to earth person. I don't think I would handle celebrity well any other way. I, I, yeah, I like to be able to go to the mall, go to Chick fil A. You know what I'm saying? Like, that being stripped probably would have been an odd thing for me. So, yeah, I can't imagine cool. being like, like, you know, Dr. Dre, Kanye, you know, Cardi B, they cannot go anywhere. And like, that's a huge level of celebrity, man. And like, I like to just walk, just go for a walk around just the neighborhood, just literally put my headphones on, listen to something and just walk. And I cannot imagine if that was taken away from me because literally you just get stopped and you can't do anything at all. I, me- I remember Will Smith telling me one time, he was like, yo, the last time I went to the mall, it was 30 years ago. Wow. And I couldn't even fathom that. He was like, I just stopped. And I was like, I'm just running here and then just buy this chess set. And the next thing I know, it's a mob of people. Like, like that was the last time I tried to go to the mall. Imagine not even grocery shopping. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the one thing you could take away from me. I hate going grocery shopping. I don't know what it is about it. It's like I look at everything. There's always too much. And I'm like, right. oh, I, I, I can't make a decision here. And then there's a lot of, you know, everyone's touching all the food. And I'm like, just yeah. stop. So that I, I wouldn't mind if you're like, you have to go again. <laughs> you know, um, I'm okay with it, man. Like, you know, it, it's certain parts with my family and people that I love that I love being around them and showing them new things and different things. So I'm happy with it, you know, where it is. And one of the last questions I have for you is about obviously growing up in Virginia. Obviously, as you said, there's no, there was no real hip hop mecca. There was no one really showing the 
the guiding light and you kind of were one of the first to really drop number one an album and one that was really repping Virginia but how did you kind of come up with that idea and how did you feel obviously seeing you know New York and then you've got LA and they were really at that time really the the meccas of hip-hop but how did you feel coming from Virginia and and dropping uh from where I mean it goes back to you know what you know, previous in the conversation where I said, like, you know, you saw them, you saw those people representing and you saw acts from that area talking about what was going on in their community. And, you know, some of the stuff you could relate to, some of the stuff you couldn't because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my, I hadn't seen that in my life yet. So, um, so, you know, catching the subway in New York, I couldn't relate to that because we didn't have one, you know, seeing the police, you know, fuck with black people like they did in, from in Compton in LA, that wasn't happening where I was at. So I knew it was possible that it could happen, but it hadn't happened yet. So for me, it was like, yo, I want to talk about where we from. Like we not much different than those New York cats. They were definitely different from the LA cats, but you know, I was heavily East Coast influenced. So um, the fashion, the, uh, you know, the slang, you know, a lot of things that came down from New York because it was an easy, you know, tunnel to go from New York down south. Uh, a lot of people had family down south, their grandmothers, their aunties, uncles. So for the summer, you know, you would have people from New York that would come down and they were always cool. It's like, oh, shit, he's from New York. Like, that's the, that's the mecca. You know what I'm saying? So um, and then you had the HBCUs where when people started going, sending their kids to colleges, they would go to the, you know, the, H, the Howard Universities and the, you know what I'm saying, the Virginia States, places like that, North Carolina A&Ts. So, you know, you got a melting pot of, of Black culture and the music was very, very prevalent in our lives. We heard it at parties, we played it in our cars, like we saw it on television, we dressed like them. So for me, it was like, I just wanted, I knew that nobody was representing where I was from in the way that I thought it should be done. So I was like, if I get my chance, I'm going to, you know, make it known that we, you know, we dope too. We got, we got cool stuff going on down here too. Um, it's not all country and, you know, dirt roads and cornfields. Like we have that, but we actually have a city as well. So metropolitan city, just, you know, maybe not as big as the DCs or the Philadelphias, but something that, you know, that could contribute to the music game just as well. And um, I remember thinking to myself, like, like I'm gonna scream this shit to the top of my lungs. Like they gonna know about us. If they don't know, if they don't know nothing else, they gonna know about Virginia. So, when I started getting the, the comparisons, like, oh, you know, damn, I thought you was from New York. That was a compliment. Like, damn, like, yo, I, they got rappers like you in Virginia? Hell no. Like, bro, you say you from Brooklyn. And that was a compliment because Big Daddy Kane was from Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z was from Brooklyn. Nas was from New York. Black Moon was from Brooklyn. Jay Rooted Damage, a gangstar, like. And I, so to have my name mentioned around those same people and to have even my record played on a New York radio station, a Stretch and Bobbito or a college radio station in New York was 
phenomenal. You know, and this is pre, of course, it's pre-internet, pre-YouTube. So it's all word of mouth. Um, and my name started traveling in circles that, you know, I had no clue would become beneficial to who I was and who I was becoming. So um, yeah, no, it was it was definitely a different a different um, avenue to take to get found. But I knew if I was from New York or I was from LA, I would have just been just another rapper. Nothing made me, what made me stand out more than anything else was where I was from. And I, I, I never forget how that changed the trajectory of how people thought about rappers from Virginia. Well, even when I listened to it and I listened to it recently, I was like, this sounds like it's from New York. Like the, just mm-hmm. the, the the way it was constructed the beats the flow everything has the east coast feel so i mean you nailed that and you know now i look at you know the south in terms of how it's doing for hip-hop and you have it's the new mecca so many artists are coming out of atlanta you know the south has got their own sound and you've got people like obviously outcast who almost continued and that and kind of brought the, the south vibe as well so i mean you know I imagine you look at what you've done and you were one of the influencing people that has helped the South kind of find their sound and kind of show that it's not a two city kind of industry. It is, it is us wide and worldwide as well. Now. I mean, as you said, people are rapping in their own languages and now obviously hip hop artists are touring all over the world because there is, a hunger for it, even though they don't understand what you're talking about. That to me is right. because it's the sound, it's the feeling. It's, it's just like what you give to, to so many people. It's just, yeah, it's crazy to me. Yeah. I've been places where people have told me that they learn English through hip hop. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like, you know, I've been on stages where people don't speak a lick of English and you play in the club by 50 cent, they know every word. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's a, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Hip hop is a big deal, global. And I don't, people like, you know, big, like Biggie said, we never thought it would go this far, but it has. And I, for one, cannot be happier that it has because if it wasn't, then I wouldn't be here in Australia, you know, loving it. And Get Rich or Die Trying was the first hip hop album I ever heard. Uh, it was, it came out in 2003. I was born in 94. So I was like, what was that? Nine years old. And I listened to it and still my parents, I come from a Russian background. They never knew hip hop existed and they thought it was a phase. And only recently have they accepted that it's just part of my life now and that everybody loves it. And they're kind of just left behind. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I cannot be more thankful that, that it's gone worldwide. What part of um, what part of Australia are you from? Uh, where I'm in Melbourne, so I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to Melbourne before. I've been well, to Melbourne before. Hopefully, you can come back soon, because uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, we can open up these borders and and see acts tour again and have you come down. But I only have one more question for you, uh, and it's probably the hardest question that I ask any guest on the podcast. It's the only question that I plan. And it's probably my best question because I planned it. But uh, if you had to recommend one hip hop album that, oh, it doesn't have to be hip hop. I 
planned it and I can't even get the question right. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody listened to, doesn't have to be hip hop, can it be your own, of course, to get an appreciation of, what would it be? Ready to die. Biggie. By Notorious B.I.G. I believe anybody who listens to Ready to Die can get a, a bird's eye view of what it's like to be a young black man in America with, with life happening around you, um, circumstances happening to you, feeling like you have no hope and why you would do some of the things that you would end up doing in this country because you're not afforded the, 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 the luxuries that some other people have. When I I'm, listen to Ready to Die, it gives, like I said, it gives you the, 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 the natural plight of a young black man in America. And after that, if not, even though we said only one album, that would be the first one. But then the second one would be listening to a person who has now had success and knows that they can't rap about the things that they talked about before because that's not their life anymore and what their life is now. So Ready to Die, probably. I've taught classes on Ready to Die. Like it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a window into the life of a young Black man. And an absolute masterclass on how to construct tracks and how to construct an album and how to story tell. And to be honest, you're the first one to mention Biggie in terms of, wow. and I've done over, you know, I've released over 60 podcasts and uh, no one's mentioned Biggie as their one go-to. I've had 50 Cent come up a few times. Um, you know, I've had Lauren Hill come up. I've had out of the the window directions, but Biggie first one. So uh, it was definitely due, but yeah, one of my favorite albums as well. And Biggie is in my, in my top five for, for sure of all time. So highly recommend and, once you listen to that, it changes what hip hop looks like for you. So if you haven't listened to it, it really does illuminate a lot and you really respect how smooth he was in terms of content rich, but delivery was so smooth. It was like effortless. So um, yeah, cannot agree. More. I've never, I've never heard anybody cover that many bases too and do it well. Like I've never heard, I've never seen somebody go, like, or somebody in their ear and they're like, yo, man, we need, we need a track for the underground cats. Like, you know what I'm saying? The, the cats that ride the subways. All right, boom, let's do that. Got it. All right, we also need a song for like the hustlers that do this out here getting money and just flashy. Okay, boom, got that. Okay, now we, we, need, we need a track for girls that girls are gonna like, cause you know, it's all about the women. Boom, got that. Okay, now we need a song for radio. That's going to get like, I've never seen somebody do all of those. I've seen people do all of those things, but I've never seen somebody do all of those things and do it that well to where what that underground, that hip hop song, that, that song that you wanted for the, the, the streets for the boom, that's done. It's unbelievable. Kicking the door. It's done. And it's a classic. 
Oh, the song you want for girls? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Papa, One More Chance, Classics. Oh, yeah, you wanted a song for a radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Juicy, Classic. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like he did it all well. Like, anytime you, like, oh, it's these new cats called Bone Thugs and Harmony. They got a new style, and, and it's kind of dope. It's kind of singing. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do a song with them. Boom, classic. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could adapt in ways that other people never could. In two albums, he adapted in ways that I haven't seen people do in 10 albums. So Biggie was, it's a master class in how to do so many different things well. It's almost like a basketball player. You're like, yo, he can shoot the three. He can post up. He can dunk. He can he, block. He's a, he's, he's a good defensive player. He gets steals. Like, damn. He's the all-around guy. He don't just do one thing well. He does, like, nine things well. Biggie was that in two albums. So that that's, the, yeah. Big, definitely ready, ready to die. Yeah, I might listen to that today. Sure. Well, yeah, I've I've got to listen to that. I mean, I was really getting into DJ Premier was dropping, you know, his, um, you know, floppy disk kind of series on YouTube, and he talks about unbelievable and the story of how he put that beat together. And you know, I mean, I, I always listen to a Biggie verse, and I'm like, I just, it's far and away above. 99% of any, yeah. any other MC. And like you said, for him to be able to do it, especially on a first album, like what he has one shot, one album, he kills it. And then he delivers on the second album with more. Yeah. Classic. It's just, yeah, yeah. Insane to me. Very good. Very good. Well, man, I appreciate you coming through. Obviously mad skills has come through. So make sure you check him out on Spotify. You can go through his back catalog uh, he's obviously DJing right now. Check him out on YouTube, IG as well. Um, but man, is there anything that you're working on? Anything that you wanted to plug as well? Um, nah, man. Just um, you know, follow me on all social media at Skills VA. That's S K I L L Z V A at Skills VA. And just yeah, just look out for some surprises. Wrap up coming this year for sure. Well, I think we're all looking forward to it. But as I said, I appreciate coming through and uh, hopefully we get to see you face to face when we can travel uh, around the world again. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.